Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, A Coach for the Coach. I'm your coach, Helen Williams, and we are building a community of sports coaches who want to proactively take their coaching career to the next level, as well as build the next generation of student-athlete leaders. I'm going to bring in uh, my guest today, which is Coach Heather Osterley. Um, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have for coaches, um, especially today for the young coaches. You know, I think it's important for them to understand that, that the path to becoming a head coach is, is not easy and it's not linear, you know, um, and there's some things that you have to do on the way there. And, and you and I have had some discussion, but I think you just have a really good, um, you know, perspective on that and, and happy that we're going to be able to show those, uh, show that perspective um, to the coaches today. So I think really what I want to do to start off is just talk about, you know, talk about your journey. I mean, obviously you've been a head coach for a couple of years, but, but how you got to that. And, and obviously I probably have some questions along the way. Yeah. So I um, probably my sophomore year in college, I realized that I did want to coach. Um, I thought I was going to be a teacher and a high school coach. I decided I wanted to do that. So I applied for three different jobs right out of college. It was Miami, Ohio as an assistant, Toledo as an assistant, and Oakland as a, a GA. Uh, and I will never forget this day, but I was turned down by all three jobs on the same day. I was on vacation with my parents, and uh, I was crying, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I, would, I was just willing to do anything to get in the business. Uh, and I had gotten an opportunity at Stanford to volunteer for their program. Now, never in a million years would I think I'd be able to afford to move out to Palo Alto. And they ended up, you know, helping me out out there. They're just unbelievable people. Uh, and I would work facilities when I wasn't working with them. You know, I'd sweep the floors at halftime of the men's game. Uh, I'd clean locker rooms for after the football game. I mean, I was just willing to do whatever it took to get in the business. Uh, and then I, I spent a few years at Miami, Ohio, uh, Northern Illinois, until I got here. Um, to work with uh, Coach Gabara, who was my uh, college coach uh, for nine years and then became the head coach here. So it's a, I think I have a unique journey, um, you know, because I was, I, you know, I was just willing to do whatever it took to get here. Uh, and then I was pretty patient um, and calculated with where I wanted to be uh, and making sure that I was really prepared to be a head coach when that time came. Yeah. So Miami finally got smart enough to hire you then, huh? <laughs> it didn't the first time. <laughs> Actually, it was funny because I was out of Stanford and I got a call from Toledo and Miami the following year and was like, oh, those those positions are open again. And I was like, oh, well, you know, and I, I, I hit it off with Maria at Miami. So it was it was a good fit. Well, what was that like trying to at such a young age, you know, making that decision to go all the way out to the West Coast? And Palo Alto is not a cheap place to live in terms of you, you said two words that I think are really important. You were patient and you were calculated. So, so what was that like being out there at Stanford, you know, your first opportunity, even though you were getting paid? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable just because you're working with a Hall of Famer out there. I mean, Tara it has a Tara great Vanderveer. basketball mind. Yeah. And Amy Tucker and like Heidi Vanderveer was out there when I was there. Uh, they just took me in under their wing. And I was the, actually the first intern they ever had out there. And they've had that position ever since. And I was just I'm just I still to this day, I'm so thankful you know, they, they're the type of people that I was young, poor, and hungry at that time, you know what I mean? And so they would take care of me. Like we'd go out to dinner, they'd pay for me. Um, and they would just tell, they just told me you pay it back someday. You know, when you're in this position and you got somebody, you know, that's young, that's trying to get in the business, just 
you help them out when that time comes. And I've always, you know, tried to do that along the way. Yeah. You know, and that's funny. I had a similar journey to, to, to being a head coach. My first job out of grad school, I went back to work for my head, my coach at Wake Forest. And I think I was making, I don't know, $10,000 for the whole year. But he uh, arranged for me to eat in the cafeteria free, um, got me a place to stay. He and his wife fed me every night for dinner. So, um, you, you know, there are those people out there who understand, you know, even though they can't necessarily pay you, there are other ways, uh, you know, to help you out in the profession. So um, we, we need more of that today for sure. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to patients. There are a lot of, you know, coaches right now who, who start out and they want to be a coach, head coach within five years. What, what would you say to those those people? Well, I think I was like that when I was younger. Uh, I, you know, I had a plan that I wanted to be a head coach as soon as possible. Uh, and then once I got really got in the business and I started learning, Coach Guevara always used to say, you got to work for three people before you can be a head coach. And she was my third person, you know. And then when I got here, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm continuing to learn. And then I told myself, uh, probably when I was about 30, I said, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be a head coach. You know, I kind of put it out in the universe. Uh, and then this year I turned 40 uh, and I got, well, last year and I got the head coaching job. So I was just, you know, I just continued to develop um, my skills uh, and just wanted to make sure I was completely ready uh, when that time came. Uh, and that's where the patients came in. I mean, I interviewed for other jobs, but I just think that like I knew where I wanted to be and I was just going to keep keep working at it and keep investing in the place there, places where I was. And I think that's a good point. You, you say you you knew where you wanted to be. And, and I go back to your other word, which is calculating. And I usually use the term strategic. But but talk about how you went through that process, figuring out what the best fit uh, was for you in terms of not just assistant coaching, but what head coaching job you would take. I would, t I would tell any young assistant or anybody that's, you know, uh, looking to move. I think there are certain head coaches that want to help prepare you for the next job. You know what I mean? Like there's, and there's also some that are holding people back. And I was fortunate enough to work uh, for coach Guevara and learn that about like, okay, you have to develop the people under you. And by doing that, you give them a lot of responsibility. And I think if you're ever in a situation where you're getting a lot of responsibility uh, and you have a great relationship with your head coach, I wouldn't be so fast to move, move just anywhere. You know, because you're not going to get that same experience. A couple years into being here, like I got an offer for a BCS assistant job. And I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be a head coach. And there's nowhere in the country I'm going to get more experience than I'm getting right now with the responsibilities I'm getting. Um, so I just was very, you know, it, it's never been about money, about like level. You know, it's always been about, okay, what's going to help me prepare me um, to be the best I can be and and where I'm happy. You know, I, I love central Michigan, you know, and I think, you know, if you find a place that you're happy, I mean, you got to be happy in this business because it's, it's a lot of hours. Yeah. And I, I think people discount that they're, they do go after the money or they do go after the level, but literally we as coaches, especially at the college level, there's no such thing as a 40 hour work week, <laughs> right? So we're working literally, we're in the office literally seven days a week, but we don't feel like we're working. We're that passionate about what we're doing. Um, so discuss some of the responsibilities that you had with Coach Guevara and, you know, how they got you ready to be a head coach? Because there's a difference between, you know, just busy work and actual yeah. real responsibilities that will help you develop. And, and what I, I think are the most important areas are leadership, communication uh, and management. So talk about what you what she allowed you to do and how you grew. 
Yeah, well, that was the biggest thing. And I think one of your questions, on, I was looking at it earlier, was like, what besides X's and O's, what's the biggest thing you have to get ready for as a, right. a head coach? And I think the managing people is the number one thing. And that's what I got to do here as the associate head coach. You know, like the rest of the staff, I took care of. You know what I mean? Like, so I was divvying out responsibilities, working on delegating. And she just like passed the reins over where I was able to like get experience in a lot of different areas. I would sit with her on any disciplinary issues, um, budget meetings, you know, that kind of thing that like not a lot of assistants get a, a, a chance to do that. Um, so I'm just very thankful for, you know, her, her preparing me for this job. Was there anything that she came to you and she said, Heather, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you because I don't want to do it anymore. And you're like, oh my God, I, 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 this is scaring the, you know what out of me. I, I'm, I know I need to do this, but I'm really scared to take on this responsibility. I uh, had a huge fear of public speaking and she yeah. knew that. And that was one thing, like, I think in my mind that like, held me back a little bit was like, I was petrified to do a press conference. You know what I mean? Cause I would think like, <laughs> I want to be a head coach, but then I don't want to do the press conference. But then once you're in that situation, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's part of the job, you know? Right. So I think there was, that was one thing that she like sent me out a lot to speak in public, um, which was, you know, I took this, um, I don't remember if you've heard of Toastmasters. Um, I, I took Toastmasters too. I, yeah. I really encourage it. It's one of the things that I, I, I put in my book about public speaking because there are tons of people that are afraid and it's a, and this isn't a, an advertisement for Toastmasters, but, but it's a great, great organization where you can go and learn how to speak in public in a, in a nurturing, positive environment and, and work on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to go back to the three jobs that you were turned down for. When you got that news, what was your thought process? Was it, I'm angry that I didn't get the job or I'm not good enough? Or was there another uh, another way that you approached those, those being turned down? I think I was just really, really upset. I mean, just like I had my heart set on like possibly being an assistant coach right out of college. You know, that's pretty much unheard of nowadays to even have an right. interview out of college. You know, you're talking, you know, I try to tell our our players that just graduated, it's like, okay, you want to get into coaching? Well, you might have to volunteer somewhere. You know, it just doesn't happen where you walk into an assistant job that's maybe an hour from your home town. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to go anywhere in the country and do anything. Maybe it's video, maybe it's, I don't know, like a graduate assistant, whatever it is. Um, you know, and, and I think that, that at that moment, it was, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me more hungry to get better and mm -hmm. go out to Stanford uh, and just do all the, I mean, there was days where I would go to the store and get Tara Diet Cokes. You know, I was just willing <laughs> to do whatever it took uh, to get an opportunity. What did you learn from the, the places that you worked? So you, you mentioned earlier about you should work for three people. And I, I totally think that that's really important to work for different people so that you can be in different environments and get different perspectives. And, and that will help you develop your own personal philosophy when you become a head coach. So what did you learn in each place that you worked? Yeah. So at Miami, uh, first job uh, working for Maria, she was very, very detailed uh, on the court, you know, spacing. I learned a lot from her with the details of the teaching of the game of basketball and also, you know, with her staff, like just making sure they all knew expectations, you know, here's what I need to be done. You know, she had it all in her notebook every time we had a staff meeting. Um, so just the details from her, 
Uh, I think from Carol Owens, uh, I worked with her at Northern Illinois uh, and coming, you know, she was with Muppet McGraw before that. And her whole thing was all about the relationship with the kids, you know, and going out to dinner with them and having, having the team over. I mean, she wasn't, she wanted us to have that, you know, with the players, um, which I, that's huge. I mean, it's huge for our young women to, to know that we care about them outside of basketball. Uh, and I learned a lot, a lot from Carol with that aspect and then the recruiting. Uh, and then Coach G, I honestly, I've learned everything, everything. I mean, I just am so grateful for her. I mean, she, she's the GOAT, you know what I mean? She's just really, really good at, at everything. And she has a great personality. I'm a lot different than her. You know, I think that's one thing that she always said. It's like, you don't have to try to be me. And I never did. Um, I mean, she's she's who she is and I'm who I am. Um, but she taught me a lot. I, everybody loves Coach G and I, you know, she's just one of a kind. You know, so you went from being an assistant and, uh, you know, you took over at Central Michigan. There's a huge difference when you slide that one inch over, you know, to, to the big chair. What was the biggest difference for you? You know, I think my mine is just unique because I was here and then I became the head coach. So just like I remember I was sitting with one of our players that I was her position coach as an assistant. And then, you know, she said, I just feel like we don't have the same relationship. And I said, you know, we can't have the same relationship. It's going to be different. You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I want to do better this year as far as like spending time with even the kids that aren't playing a lot. I think that, you know, a lot of it's your time as a head coach, you're, you know, with the starters or the, the group that's playing. And I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, available for those other kids. With all the responsibilities I had as an assistant, the, the moving the inch over wasn't as as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, you still have those disciplinary things, you know, you got to make a decision right. on or you got the parents that are upset and that kind of thing. And no, and I think the fact that like I got to keep um, two of the assistants that I worked with before okay. um, and I didn't change who I was. So I think that, that it made it easier for everybody. Um, and then, you know, now, you know, I, I got a, two new assistants that are awesome. Uh, and it's just been really good. Um, so one of your assistants, obviously, um, you know, is Gail Gessencourse, who's been, you know, great, huge in women's basketball. And uh, I was listening to your audio newsletter the other day, and you were talking about how it came about. And, and of course, it's all, all about relationships. Not a whole lot of head coaches would be secure enough to hire somebody of her stature to, to be an assistant. So let's talk about, you said earlier about obviously mentoring younger coaches, but let's talk about what prompted you to do that, um, you know, to hire some, obviously you want the program to be better, but what was that process like and what prompted you to hire her? So she, we have mutual, I mean, Coach Guevara, um, coached her at Saginaw Valley. So uh, there, I was kind of in a panic because, you know, it's almost August and I I'm have to hire an assistant. And Coach Coach Guevara called me and was like, you'll never guess who's interested. And I was like, who? And she's like, she's in the Hall of Fame. And I was like, I still have no idea. So she told me Gail. And I was like, are you serious? Like, are we, is this for real? <laughs> um, but then we got, I got on the phone with Gail and I, you know what? It just felt right because she just wants to get in back in so bad. And she, I don't have an ego and she doesn't have an ego. Uh, and I want our, like I, you said, I want our program to be really, really good. You know, I, I have really high expectations for this year. I want us to go farther than we've ever gone. Um, and I just think that like the opportunity for Gail to be here, you know, I keep thanking her because 
you know, she wasn't just going to go anywhere and she chose us. Let's talk a little bit about the hiring process though. Um, you know, I think, I think young coaches need to know this, but obviously when you become a head coach, who you hire is huge because that's going to determine how successful your program is. So what are, what are your non-negotiables um, when you're looking at assistance and, and where can you have some flexibility? The number one thing, and when I'm just, when I'm asking references, I just want a good person. You know, like we got something special going on here and it's not like somebody's going to come in and reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, I interviewed somebody this year that was like, well, I have a lot to teach your staff. And I was like, well, you don't really need to come in here and teach us. You know what I mean? But I, I want you to be a good fit. And I stole this from our old AD, um, but young, poor and hungry. You know what I mean? Like just that person that just wants it so bad. Uh, and it's just, but for me, it's just number one, is it just about being a good person? And can you explain to our coaches how important it is? I know you call their references, but uh, everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. So explain how important it is, you know, to, to, to do your job um, all the time because somebody's always looking. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, this year I learned a lot. Well, one, make sure your resume and cover letter um, are really good. You know, like you, I had one candidate who – you know, was applying for a bunch of different jobs, but forgot to change out the school on her cover letter. And she was in the mix for me. Um, and I just, you know, I said something to her about it, you know, like just a learning experience, you know, make sure you have somebody proofread because that can nix you right away um, is that resume and cover letter. Uh, and then make sure that the person you're working for currently is on your references. Uh, I, I saw mm -hmm. that a lot this year and it's like, okay, well, that's the first person I'm going to call. You know, because they you don't have them on your references, and why is that? Uh, and I just think mm -hmm. that, like, yeah, like you say, like make sure you're doing the best job you can at the in your current situation. You know, because everybody's watching. You know, I watch when people are out on the road recruiting. I, you know, in the summer times, I'm like, okay, who's paying attention to the game and who's on their phone and who's talking oh, to everybody? Thank you for you know, bringing it, that point up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can't be sitting and watching a game on your phone. <laughs> you know, scrolling through Twitter. I mean, it's just, it happens sometimes in breaks, but like you got to be paying attention. And I noticed those kind of things, like who's going to work their butt off on the road. That's basically where I formed my first list of possible assistants is in July okay. recruiting. But, okay. That's a good, I mean, that's that's, good point. That's something that I think it says a lot about people when you're watching them recruit, you know, do they have okay. a presence when they enter the gym? Are they just going to go up and sit at the top of the, I mean, are they going to be in the front row? You know, I, I watch that kind of stuff. Cause I think, well, obviously recruiting is so huge, um, but that just says a lot about people. And, and how do you go about once you've hired somebody deciding, you know, what you're going to delegate them? And, and once you bring someone in, um, like Coach Miles, do you have this schedule in your mind of how you're going to help her develop? Or and obviously it's got to go along with what you need for the program. Yeah, well, I actually took my time uh, this um when we hired Sarah and then when we hired Gail, it's like, okay, I got to see how people fit in um, and what people's strengths are before I did any kind of job descriptions. You know, I kind of wanted to, you know, I told Gail, she's obviously experienced everything. Like I want her to be involved in every area of our program. Um, and then Sarah, I kind of got a feel for, you know, what she's good at. Um, you know, when you, you become a head coach and you're, you know, you got your staff in place, it's like, make sure you're putting everybody um, with their strengths, but also too, 
like you said, like developing them in areas they need to develop. Um, with Courtney on our staff, she's been with me for a while. I coached her in college. Uh, and, you know, it's my job now, like Coach Guevara did for me, is to prepare her to be a head coach. So she's going to need experience in different areas. And I really take that to heart. Like, okay, now it's my time to give back, uh, my turn to give back to our assistants. It's like, okay, I got to prepare them to be head coaches if they want to be. Yeah. Well, and that just goes to the point in, in terms of one of your skill sets as a head coach is just the communication and the relationship building, because that's, that's key in, 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 you know, uh, developing your players as well. Yeah, I just think their relationship part, and that's what I would just, you know, I said to our AD candidate, it's like the relationship part is the biggest thing. I mean, just making sure you're spending time and caring about the people that are here, you know, because it is all about the students. I mean, we're not here if it's not, there's no students. Right. Uh, so just making sure that they know that, you know, we care about them outside of basketball. Well, that, that's awesome. And it, it also brings me to a point that I, I forgot to ask you earlier, just about uh, personal development, professional development, and just continuing that. You're, you're a head coach now, but you're still listening to podcasts, reading, talking to people. And that's just so, so important in coach development. Yeah. And actually, I have my own personal professional development person on staff with Gail. But yeah, I do. A, I do a lot of podcasts. Um uh, during this whole pandemic, it was good to see all the like online virtual coaching clinics. And I think coaches miss the point, especially young coaches, that they'll naturally try to get better with X's and O's. But there's so many things outside off the court that have a direct effect on your success, but have nothing to do with the X's and O's that you need to be proficient at. So with all that we've talked about, how, if you had to boil down just your philosophy as a head coach and everything that you've learn from everybody and your experiences, what would that be? The biggest thing I would say, and I've said it, I think a lot of time, uh, a lot on this call is just like starting with the relationships, you know, like this is the game of basketball. I mean, you got to, as a leader, you're, you're asking these 18 to 22 year olds to buy into, you know, what you're doing. Uh, and I think without having a relationship with them, it's going to, you're going to struggle to get that buy-in. And I thought last year when I took over the program, I was like, okay, um, number one, I want to have fun with them because it's like, I like to smile and I like to laugh and practice. Like, I mean, it's not all serious. And I wanted them to feel like relaxed when they were in practice. Um, but I also wanted them to know that like I was here for them. Uh, and I think that like, you know, I think that your team does a lot more for you when they know that you care. Uh, and I think also too, you know, putting them in the best situation to be successful, not only on the court, but making sure you develop them off the court. Well, this has been great. You've got a lot of good nuggets for our coaches, especially the, the young coaches. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching your team this year and um, seeing, seeing how far you go. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. Thank you for having me, Helen. I appreciate it. If you want more nuggets, head over to my Facebook group, A Coach for the Coach, where we share helpful tips to take your coaching career to the next level. See you next week. Same time, same place.